Tina Nixon, in probably the most colourful quote of the year, ran on the front page of a edition of the Wirrapper Times Age. It hit Parliament and it said, quote, a deceitful, lying pack of bastards, close quote, in relation to the government's three water reforms. That, obviously, we couldn't go past that that without getting you on the podcast. Tina, welcome to Taxpayer Talk. Uh, thanks very much. I'm pleased to be here, Jordan. Well, that's certainly not mincing your words. You've probably expressed the sentiment of the local government sector more aggressively than anyone else. Take us through the reasons why you think that the government has lied. Okay, well, first I think you've got to put it in context because um, the reality is is we entered, had entered into what I thought was a good faith, almost like a good faith bargaining with um, the government over what was the three water reforms. And I'd just like to say right up front that I'm actually I'm really keen to see reform. I think we've absolutely got to have reform around water. Um, so um, the government was very clear on, on elements of the process that we would, um, they would talk to us, they would keep informing us, they would give us lots of alternative information offshore um, uh, around other systems um, or similar systems to the Scottish um, waters. Um, and um, then, then we would be able to ask some questions, they would give us their answers, then we would be able to opt in or out. Um, and that was all really clear, but we started to get um, some signals probably six months ago um, that um, there was a real serious possibility that they could mandate. And um, that was on the basis that uh, Nanaya refused to rule it out and danced on the head of a pin in a number of different conversations she had with local government around whether she would mandate or not. Um, so um, as I, even though it came as a surprise um, in terms of the timing, I think the thing was it was just a, an utter disappointment um, that that decision was made at that, that bit of the process. I could have understood if she had decided to mandate maybe further down the process when she had had a clear and official um, uh, recognition from all of the councils whether they were going to opt in or out. We hadn't even got to that point. Um, there, what really worries me too now is the fact that we had a lot of questions and a lot of the questions are very common across all of the councils around economic regulators, whether the figures stack yep. up, all of that sort of stuff, and we haven't had them answered and I'm not sure we're going to. Um, so we're running blind um, in a lot of ways. What's the reaction been from both your colleagues locally and the, the, the sector overall? Um, the reaction to... Um, well, have you had other other councillors from around the country contact you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Saying, yeah. Jeepers, Tina, hold, hold, hold your horses, or have they been saying no, they agree? they agree. Um, unequivocally, I have not had one piece of negative feedback apart from the local Ratepayers Association who believe that I've breached the code of conduct by using intemperate language. Um, so um, watch that space because the intemperate language is going to continue. That's just part of me. Let's come back to that because obviously you st you stood on a, uh, well, very fiscally conservative platform, which, yep. which we'll come back to in a moment. But let's, yep. um, let's pick that up. You mentioned that you do think there is a case for reform, yeah. But your concern appears to be more around and and look, it it was outrageous. It what Nanaya Mahuta was telling the councils and what we were getting told by the councils at the time when we when the Taxpayers Union launched its its email tool to email local councillors. 
the councillors keep coming back and said, look, consultation's later. This isn't consultation. Mm. The government has said there'll be an opportunity later. When it was so damn clear to anyone who had read the Cabinet minutes that there just wasn't enough hours in the day, they were already drafting the bill, that the Cabinet minute was clear that the bill was to be introduced this year, there simply wasn't the time for councils uh, councils to do it. But take me through. You, you're obviously in the wire wrapper, and you guys fought tooth and nail against amalgamation of the Wellington councils. You do think there's a case for amalgamation of water? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Think there's a case um, of amalgamation for water. Um, and I think that's nationally, I really do. Um, but I think there's different models for that. We have been underfunded for, yep. for years. But you've got to remember, local government is one of the most un underfunded um, local government sectors in the world. Um, so where other other countries are happy to um, divest funds, um, devolve funds down into the, into the regions and into local organisations in terms of taxation, that doesn't happen here. Um, so we we have this really, really crazy anomaly where um, often, especially in an area like we are in Awarapa, where you've got huge land holdings and a very sparse population, bloody yeah. hard, to, bloody hard to sort out your infrastructure when you haven't got a big rating space. Um, so we're, we're always going to be um, fighting um, a, a rearguard action to try and keep our infrastructure um, sorted um, in the face of not having enough money, basically. Um, Do you think, in, in fairness, push back a little bit on that, because yeah. often uh, New Zealand councils get compared to their counterparts, say, in Britain. Yeah. But New Zealand councils don't run the schools. They yes. don't run the police force or the traffic um, officers anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, the most you've got, what you do the infrastructure and... Um, although more and more social services offer offer very strange ta tax base for that. Yeah. Um, and what, parking wardens? Um, <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that, that's a really good point, but we, uh, the biggest problem for rural, rural councils is roads, um, yeah. and we only get partially funded for that. Um, so that's our biggest that's our biggest bloody cost. Um, and actually, it's uh, been pulled, hasn't it, in recent years, that yep. the, the, the funding for rural road maintenance and... Um, and tar sealing roads, mm. the basics. Yeah. So you stood, and we should have really got you on years ago, but you stood in 2019 with the enormous, uh, infamous billboard of you holding a chainsaw yeah. uh, with a tagline, slash the rates. Yeah. Uh, you're a bit, I noted in your bio that you used to work for councils. Yeah. Are you a bit of a, a, a poacher turned gamekeeper? And two years in, how do you think it's going? Um, well, in COVID, we um, I think uh, uh, last year we um, the rates only went up two percent or something. I mean, we were really low, um, and so I think we did did do pretty well around slashing the rates in a, in a tough year. Um, but of course, when you do that, the next year you have to pay the piper. Um, we've I said four point eight, I think it was, and I think uh, four point seven. Um, I'd be comfortable with, and we ended up with four point eight. Um, so I think in a post, for, it for is last high. Year that Carry on, sorry. Oh, well, last year inflation wasn't nearly that high. Possibly this year it will be, but that's still um, quite a whack. Yep, it is. Um, and we and and but you see, I'm also a reformist because actually we can't keep doing what we're doing. Um, and so over the next ten years in our LTP, we're looking at massive rates rises. Um, and 
that's where the argument here has got mixed up in the civic centre because everyone's blaming us for building a civic centre which is going to push up rates. And but we see, that more complicated we see that in Auckland as well, and I'm conscious that most of our, you know, our listeners will be in the metropolitan centres, is that every year we get, um, or well, actually often um, double-figure rate increases. And the politicians say over and over again, this is about investing in infrastructure. This is about investing in pipes and roads and stuff. But when you look at the overall proportion, and admittedly I'm using Auckland Council as the, um, as the poster child here, is that over time, a higher and higher proportion, I think Tarong is the same, is actually in operating costs, i.e. staff pay, rather than the roads and pipes that we're being sold. Now that you're in the sector, what yeah. are you doing to ensure that at least for your local community, that's not the case, that the rhetoric matches the books? We have increased our infrastructure um, spending. Um, so um, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable with it. But the reality is, as I've said, the model is not sustainable. So one thing this government is doing is looking at local government reform. And um, I welcome that. Absolutely welcome that. I stood on a ticket of amalgamation, um, and um, gosh, I'm, that's unusual. That's unusual for the Wairapa. Uh, no, Masterton was actually voted for amalgamation. The other two councils didn't. Now they're okay. ruining the day um, because I think they realise now that it's going to be done to them um, where they could have had it. They they could have modelled um, the changes themselves this time. This time round, someone's going to come around and actually tell them what's going to happen. Um, especially after the Three Waters consultation, which clearly indicates that the government doesn't bloody well listen anyway. So tell us then, if you, you accept you want amalgamation, and I think reasonable minds can di can differ on that, um, from a taxpayers' union perspective, ours is that not necessarily bigger is better, very heavily guided by some work by Phil Barry at TDB Economics, that you get economies of scale or the, the average yes. cost comes down to about 50000 like Yep. Flat lines, and then at about a quarter of a million, it shoots back up again. That's right. Um, you, you could argue that um, I didn't look up the population of Marston, but I venture to suggest that it's 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 less, it's much less than fifty thousand. Um, the so, so as I say, reasonable minds can can differ on that. You that's particularly true around economies of scale of network infrastructure. If the three waters, the Naya Mahuta's proposed plan isn't it, what is your preferred model? Um, probably direct funding um, uh, in the same way that we're funded for roads. Uh, pretty simple. Um, and we still can't, we haven't really heard a coherent argument as to why they haven't considered that option. Um, now, I'm not a policy twonk in terms of deep, you know, big detail, but I know Castalia has put up a, another, another model, um, which I think um, probably um, has some merit considering Castalia's um, experience in this offshore. And um, my these, are the economic, yes. these are the economic advisors that yeah. a number of councils got on board That's right. to peer review the, count, the central government's work or Department of Internal Affairs and Scottish Water's work. Absolutely. And I think it would be fair to say that anyone who had early opposition um, or early criticism of the Scottish proposal was sidelined quite early in the process. Um, so that's uh, it's an extraordinary situation because, you know, I've also been in central government um, where there is such a, a tunnel vision around um, this purest you know, an ideology that's going on at the moment around um, policy development. I mean, 
whoever in their right mind would only have one option. It's just right. That's just bad policy just to have one option. Um, and so they should have at least come to us with two or three well-formed ideas, but we didn't. We only had one option to consider. So some of the the more wealthy um, councils um, did actually invest some money into having a look at what the options were. So I think there is a few around. Um, and um, and so, but I don't think we've, I think because of the way this government is now gone with the mandating, um, we're not even going to have a chance to consider them. So the only option that we have, or the what, only... What, what, what do you mean? Like, like, Well, there's no way we can turn back the clock on these guys now. They're going to mandate, they have the, they have the political capital to rush this, or to push this through the House, even through a select committee process. They might, tw- they might tweak a wee bit around um, some of the stuff um, around um, the governance models, which is, seems to be where they're asking for a little bit of input. Uh, and, I mean, I, it'd be really interesting to see who's on that working group. Um, okay. yeah, it'll be stacked with lackeys, I would suspect. Well, apparently no ratepayer representation. It's going... The, the, yeah. the, the ratepayer representation are the um, are, are the insiders. The, the Phil Goff um, uh, of this world is supposed to represent ratepayers. Well, I... I've not been a ratepayer that wants him representing them, no. at least for that reason, uh, yet. So, Tommy, um, uh, I really want to nail you down, though, a bit more here, because, you know, Mahuta talks about the, the 30 more options. We have actually asked Mahuta to tell us about those 30 options <laughs> that were apparently considered. Um, but, but, but what, you know, if you had the drafter's pen, yep. what, is the, what is the most offensive things about this proposal that you change to make it either acceptable or least bad? Well, I don't think it's even that because we don't even trust the figures. So we don't even we don't even trust the basic basic premise of the argument. Um, until we, and we've asked for information too and we haven't received it around where how they got to the to their numbers. So there's still a big gap in the understanding of how they actually got to, to, to the numbers that they presented us with. So yeah. there's no, there is no faith in, yeah. in uh, oh, this is going to save us money. Oh, this is what it will cost councils and this is what it will cost under this model. We actually don't trust that. Um, I love that the minister's running around saying the government's, she stopped saying it actually in the last few weeks, but she was saying the government's peer-reviewed numbers without mentioning that the government's own peer review absolutely slates That's right. the numbers that they're, that they're putting out there. I want yeah. to um, ask you one final question, because being a, a, a elected official in a rural or um, provincial area, I see your local Labour MP, uh, Karen McAnulty, yeah. said it was quoted in that same Wairarapa Times Age piece that um, ran your quote as the, as the headline, that he's written to all the councils in the area or in the district hoping to meet with them and get feedback from the councils, particularly on that governance point. Have you found the, like, because they're in a, I mean, I, I disagree with you. I think we can win this, and the way we win it is put the pressure on those rural or provincial MPs that are in swing seats that got Jacinda Ardern over the line last year. What's been the reception to that, or have you met with, no, he's asked to meet with us. I mean, there's some councillors don't even want to sit in the same room as him um, because they feel so betrayed. Interestingly enough, if you notice Kieran's statement, I'm not sure that it was published, but the Kieran statement to the council says he was also surprised by the timing. Um, so that I think that's a really interesting statement. 
Um, so yeah, his ass is definitely in the fire on this. Um, do you think, do I think that um, MPs and swing seats can actually make a difference? No, I actually don't because I think there's a cabal of ideologists within um, the inner workings of Cabinet who are just hell-bent on running these um, agendas of reform and will not back off. Um, and that includes Parker, um, Mahuta, um, and, you know, the rest of the ones that are always lined up behind them. Well, the... And there's a Maori agenda here as well. And, I mean, it's the elephant in the room around what happens with 50% Maori at the t- governance table. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm... It, it's, it, I think there's still a lot more information around how that can actually operate um, for us to really, uh, for, for me to, to offer any major co- comment around just exactly, um, you know, the dangers of that. But um, you start looking at Hepuapua and where they're going in terms of reformist agendas um, and uh, there's some stuff that the public needs to come to grips with really fast. Um, as to whether they're comfortable with the speed and direction that this government's ha- heading on some of those issues. Do you think that they are? In I mean, terms of... That, do you think that the public are getting their head around that now? I mean, we've... No, we've... no, because those issues are so bloody complex. I mean, that's the problem. The poor bastards have only... I mean, the, the general general public have not had a bloody chance very, <laughs> to really get very, their heads... <laughs> you're very colourful with your language, aren't you? I can see this. So the, yeah. the, the, the paper got it right. Um, we, we, we're not in the, in the business of bleeping elected officials, but um, uh, <laughs> you might have we, to we might, Apple might <laughs> Apple might slap an R sixteen on our um, on our Okay, uh, poor buggers. Um, <laughs> so so the, the poor buggers in the general public um, are, are are really struggling to keep up to date with all of the stuff because I mean we are as councillors, I estimate that I'm reading twenty hours a week literally, to come to grips with the information that's in front of us mm. as a councillor. How the hell is someone in the general public out there trying to come to grips with it going to have any understanding of some of the complexities that we're dealing with? So they only get the headline stuff or the propaganda push from the government around the issues that they want them to hear, um, and then they'll, they'll, they'll go off and, and make some uninformed um, decisions or comments around some key issues. So this is not a time for good, informed debate. It's really, it's not, it's a really uncomfortable time. Well, that's certainly what our effort is at the moment, is getting the public up to speed on it. That's why we've created that little microsite at sop3waters.nz. Obviously, we've got mm. that TV ad and radio ads going at, at the moment. I think, though, I mean, in principle, this is a question about democracy, as you've just pointed yes. out, uh, and to uh, localism. And, mm. I, mean, at, I mean, we're getting, a, a, I'm getting probably... 10 emails a day from people saying, why aren't you just focusing on this co-governance element? And I go, I push back and say, because we're a taxpayers group. Our, mm. our, we certainly mention the democracy and our view is, is that there probably is some benefits of amalgamation in terms of economies of scale and efficiency, as you pointed out. But the problem is, is you're just not going to see those as a ratepayer if you've got co-governance, because that will inherently lead to rent-seeking. Mm. And that's not a, we know, make, and I'm, a lot of the people within the taxpayers union would, would share your concerns from a constitutional or one rule of law, Ooh, um, lost you. Uh, democratic point of view, but we don't leave with that because we're a taxpayer group. And uh, that's sort of, there's a slight tension there. 
I asked uh, one of the earlier guests on this on our podcast was National Party's Chris Luxon, and he had a very John Key-esque answer when I asked him why he wasn't really focusing on the democracy. And he said, you can't play a harp with one string. And I think the point he was, it was quite a good, good line, but the point he was making is that we need to get middle New Zealand over onto this one, not simply talk to the those that are already against three waters. Mm. And that you have to, have to take perhaps a more more moderate message. But I'll leave it leave you with this. The polling that we did in last month's Taxpayers Union Courier poll, um, not only was it two to one against three waters, and I venture to suggest it's much higher than that now, uh, or even better than that now, is that the undecideds were, I think it was 22%. It was very low. And that would suggest that even if the public don't have their head around all the technical details, they're confident enough that they've got their head around enough details to know they don't like it. And that's pretty, that's, that's from a campaign perspective and in terms of forcing the Kira McNulty's mm. of this world to stand up in the Labour Party caucus and the, um, you know, peer through that smoke-filled room and say, we need, you know, this is a step too far. I'm going to lose my seat for this. That's a, a, about as good as we can hope for, as we just yeah. need to make sure that we are, um, we are giving people the tools to make their their voice heard. So, yeah. what can other what can other local councillors do or ratepayers around the country to force this reform back? What What do you think the steps that that we or they should be taking? I have no bloody idea because I don't think there's more. <laughs> it's a really difficult issue. I mean, you've had a government who's just basically said we're going to do it, and their own and their only option um, to raise issues is through a select committee process. So, um, and this government, you are right. I mean, they react very much to public opinion, and I mean, we've seen that with COVID. You know, they push out Stop. an idea, and you know, we're just beating them on Skypath. Yes, uh, yeah, you have, and that's and what I'm saying. As a court of public opinion, may may get them to change. But I, I honestly think that this one is one of those national issues that is in that reformist agenda with the cabal of people who are driven around this. And Hipuapua is not just about it. it it's it, yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting document, and um, yeah. <laughs> Tina, I, I, I'm more confident than 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 you are. But um, I've certainly enjoyed your your commentary, and um, and if, if if you have a um, if you have a relative with similar views and similar turn of phrases that would like to come to Auckland and stand for the super city and sort that out, I think they'd be welcomed <laughs> with with open arms. Ca Councillor Nixon, thanks for joining Taxpayer Talk. Thanks for the opportunity, Jordan.